watching it back and seeing people's reactions, I'm actually happier that I stuck to my guns and did something specifically me, even if it means that I didn't get to be on the show for very long, just because I'd rather be the worst version of myself than the best version of somebody else. Fears, 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 weather, fears. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And I'm Jillian Cedarholm, Joey's beleaguered editor. That's J-I-L-L-I-A-N, seven letters and six vowels. (laughs) The doors that education professional Anitra has opened and also the doors that Spice has opened because Jillian is currently recording this podcast while wearing (laughs) a shower cap. (laughs) It was getting a little windy outside. I needed to be prepared. Yes, protection from the weather, protect. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we would like to welcome you to EW's Quick Drag Podcast. That's right. We are back, back, back again. And we have resurrected from the pork chop loading dock of the podcast Netherworld, recording live today from the state of Connecticut, which is apparently the hotbed of drag artistry we never knew existed until season 15, welcomed four contestants from its borders for a new season of Connecticut's Drag Race, Connecticut versus the World. Now, Jillian, And I will be taking weekly deep dives into RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15 with new episodes every week featuring recaps, elimination interviews, and Q&As with the cast. The last time you heard us together, of course, though, was on EW's Binge Podcast, where we recapped every season of RuPaul's Drag Race to date, including All-Stars, with special guests, and also an iconic moment where Jillian cracked an egg over her head live on the line. (laughs) Which uh, you would be fully protected from right now since you're wearing your shower cap. So I need to see your hands, though, to make sure you're not holding anything to hit on your forehead. My hands are empty. I promise to be on my best behavior. (coughs) Sorry, my voice hasn't podcasted in so long. Let me just grab some water. Open this recipe book. Okay, pour two (laughs) glasses, two cups of water into a cup. (laughs) Grab some ice. Oh, this is ASMR now. Yes. Okay, I'm all set. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know how you expect you fully. She, I, I never know when she's going to do these things. And then she expects me to just continue with the podcast as if nothing just happened. But I just need time to process this. <laughs> Gagged them a bit, for sure. Yes, 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 yes. Spoken just like one of the children. No, I feel as if we are extra blessed and highly favored to be in this position now though two years since we first co-hosted a podcast together because some of you may remember we are now fully qualified drag children we were famously birthed on the ew's binge feed uh by two drag race legends during our season 12 episode my government name is now technically joey essence hall and you are Jilly N. Closet, um, which you are in my phone as still to this day. Um, so this is technically our All-Stars glow up, correct? Yes, I've had my lips done, my teeth done. I'm filled with so much Botox, I can barely move. But uh, here we are. You can, Well, thankfully, you could move enough to make that glass of ice water. Thank you to Irene for showing that tutorial and inspiring Jillian's uh, quest for hydration today. Now, let's get into this week's episode, though. Everyone's favorite time of the year, gazing at RuPaul's big opening, the biggest opening that Mama Ru has had in a while, as we welcomed the largest cast in history, 16 total queens competing for the biggest prize in history, $200,000 on a new network home at MTV. Let's get into this full episode. The premiere was split into two parts. The first, we saw two batches of eight queens enter the workroom separately. 
Amethyst, Anitra, Oromayari, Irene Dubois, Jax, Lucy Laduca, Lux Noir London, Malaysia Baby Doll Fox, Marsha, 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 Mistress Isabel Brooks, Princess Poppy, Robin Fierce, Selena Estides, Sasha Colby, Spice, and Sugar all entered in two separate groups. And then Ariana Grande entered as Vivacious in a moment that I think perfectly captured what the vibe of this season is going to be. Looking back, feeling fresh, because later we also got the real <laughs> Vivacious entering the workroom with the along with the second group of eight queens. Uh, I personally thought that this was when at least when Ariana came in, I truly was gagged by it. I really was like, oh, what kind of stunt is this? Like, who could this possibly be? There was no inclination. And so when it when it unzipped and it was Ariana, I was like, okay, she gets it. Like Ariana Grande is that that is one of the best moments in a really long time. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I also, even though we have seen this before with Lady Gaga and Miley Cyrus, I still was not expecting it at all. I was like, well, that's yeah. not exactly Vivacious's outfit. So I don't think that's her, but who is it? Mm-hmm. And then there was Ariana and I was totally gagged. And then when Vivacious walked in, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it is always great to see Vivacious. And if I think we had Vivacious do her Snatch Game character last year on e- or two years ago on EW's Binge. So everybody should go yes. check that out too on the binge feed. Uh, that was wonderful from our season six episode. We had Vivacious on to do her, the Snatch Game character she never got to do. Vivacious is always such a wonderful presence. And she also told me in one of our past interviews that she has different Ornatias for like every season. Like she has a Pride Nasha, a Hallow Nasha. Um, a Valentine's Ornatia. So like she's got them all. And I didn't realize that there was a legacy of Ornatia. Yes. That and deep. For a while she was selling them. And believe me, I have been trying to buy one since I started mm-hmm. watching Drag Race and they have not been available. So <laughs> no. good for her. Sold out. But it was but it was yeah. really exciting to see. I was kind of um it was interesting that not all the queens got to meet Ariana, but I think I would have been as excited or more excited to be in the vivacious group because everyone got to meet Ariana later anyway. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you got um, a double dose. You got one queen vivacious, second queen Ariana. Lovely. Uh, The, there also was, we had some information in the group interview that we did uh, before the season that I didn't realize and it like just was something that came up in the moment. Selena Estides told me that uh, she is actually like close family friends with the Grandes because Frankie Grande was actually her sober sister while she was uh, going through her substance abuse uh, recovery. So that's how she became close friends with the Grande family. So they actually knew each other. And I think she kind of had to maybe tone it down on set a little bit and not uh, be all up in Ariana's business, like, hey, girl, we're sisters and everything. So, um, but that was just an interesting connection that I had no idea even existed uh, before the season. Yeah, you could you could see in Ariana's expression that she was really excited when Selena walked on. So when I yeah. watched that group interview that you did, I that all made sense. But I do think one correction, I think you mean Euphrica O'Hara, not Frankie <laughs> Grande, if we remember the makeover challenge. Unfortunately, I did forget about that. Yes, but I now stand corrected. Eufrica Grande. Yes, that was the whole reason you wanted to talk about this part no. was just so you could bring up Eufrica. <laughs> yes, we should talk about the mini challenges. Yes, let's though. talk about the mini challenges. So, Vivacious was not the only callback to years past, and this is a really fun thing that I always love when Drag Race does reference itself. Um, so, the mini challenge we had two callbacks to previous seasons the hose water being sprayed in the face during a 
car wash photo shoot was a callback to season one. And then the motorcycle shoot with the wind in the face harkened back to season two's cannon shoot. Um, so I, are you uh, are you a fan of recreating some of these or do you like when we do brand new challenges never seen before? No, I think that Drag Race is a show that is so just built on top of itself every single season. Like it doesn't even need an anniversary season to reference itself. It is constantly maybe more so than any other show out there, like referencing itself over and over and over and over again, like minute to minute. So I like that they are seemingly going to be leaning into this all season, as Marsha said in the same interview, and that uh, the challenges this year are things that everyone knows and loves, but are just remixed a little bit. So I definitely think we're going to be seeing a lot more familiar things where the fans are, you know, super familiar with because even if you see it like what works with what people are talking about on reddit or twitter or instagram like the things that the fans latch onto are things it, it could be like a joke or a meme or something from the past that like really hits with people so i think that they are finally coming into that and knowing uh this is what works with our fandom we're really going to lean into it for this anniversary season with the 200 episode. yeah and i think it's a smart thing to do when you're on a, a new network even though it's in the same family of networks but to to say like we're new and we're going to do some new things but we're not going to completely abandon the things that we know you love um and so i mean yeah we were getting queens already do, doing quotes from last season where I think Lux said, this is your moment, have it to somebody or somebody had. Um, so it's like, it just never ends. She also, whatever vivacious somebody I saw pointed this out online, I didn't realize it in the moment, but when vivacious is, um, pull, or I think it's wait, Lux was in the Ariana group, right? Yeah. I think Lux was in the Ariana group. So when she, uh, was pulling down the zipper, Lux said, just like Laganja Estranda, she was like, let's see it. Oh, and I didn't even, I, I didn't had to go either. back and watch the two. And it was, yeah, Lux is like, Lux is on it. She she knew that reference immediately. Yeah. So, and someone um, else had already said Liza Minnelli lies before we got the vivacious right? line too. So yes. yeah, so we love this about the show. They know what fans want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it felt so good watching that. Uh, one of the most consistent things this episode too was the drama between the queens. I mean, Lux and Irene immediately clashed over the length of Lux's hairpiece, and that bit carried throughout the whole episode. And Mistress Isabel Brooks and Selena Estides brought some high shade back to the workroom after the TikTok twins, Sugar and Spice, entered, and they began reading them for not doing live performances. Irene was also shocked that the other queens took this also negatively. She said that she wished the others were throwing it back to her more, and um, I feel like that was a perfect maybe microcosm of the drag race fandom in that moment, because there's a lot of newer, uh, not newer queens, newer fans or younger fans that maybe don't know those intricacies of what goes on at a drag performance at a bar because they're not 21 yet. And they might have be just coming to drag race for the first time or to drag for the first time through drag race. So they're seeing it filtered through the lens of television and what plays on television uh, might not necessarily play the same at a club or, or, you know, just looking at banter that Queens have behind the scenes. So I think it's a really important conversation to be had of this show, maybe finally reaching its final form of being something fully onto itself. And uh, we're seeing that dichotomy between Queens that are still coming from that 
that club scene and then this newer generation of the digitally focused TikTok era of queens that are rising right alongside the fandom. Yeah, I think it is going to be an important discussion to have and something that I'm I'm kind of, I guess, a little bit worried how it will play out in, in social media. Just like this is a fandom that we've seen get a little bit rabid and turn things negative yeah. on social media when um, even things start all in fun on the show. And I love the shade and the reading and the joking around in the workroom is such an important part of the show to me. But then when fans... Um, just feel like they have access to these queens and they can make the same kind of jokes that like when it's coming from Bianca yeah. Del Rio, it's a little bit different than when it's coming from a random fan. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I am a little worried about that, but I hope it is something they continue to talk about on the show and maybe uh, teach the, the younger Queens a little bit more about it and the fans can take notice. Oh, for sure. Definitely. But I do think the queens this season, at least, were very much into leaning into the fact that this is going to be a crazy season, especially when it comes to Untucked. I, I mean, Malaysia and Mistress were voted the most, uh, the spiciest, I guess, in Untucked in the interviews that we did. All the queens seemed to say that it was either going to be Mistress or Malaysia taking the Untucked crown. And Malaysia, in her answer, said that, yes, this is going to be a crazy Untucked season, but it's also filled with a lot of tears a lot of emotion. And then she immediately said Selena's name, as you pointed out to me earlier, Jillian. So uh, that will be I think Selena will be somebody to watch out for as well and untucked on the maybe the other end of that spectrum of being super like a super warm or emotional kind of moment. Yeah, they made it a point to tell you this was not RuPaul's best friends race. Uh, oh, yes, call they back did. to the past. Um, and yes. so yeah, yes. I'm looking forward to that. I think maybe we're going to get something a little closer to season 11 and the in the arguments and stuff. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I think Me we've too. had a lot of niceness as much as I like the niceness and everyone getting along as long as they all get along afterwards. I'm happy to uh, watch the arguments play out too. Mm hmm. And that seems to be the case. Yeah. Um, so finally, we get to our our second part of our two episode premiere, which was the biggest talent show we've ever had with 16 acts. This is something that's still kind of new to the regular franchise. We see the variety shows and all stars. Uh, Anitra's duck walk, lip sync and board breaking won the challenge and got a shout out from Lizzo on Twitter afterwards. And Irene's glass of ice water tutorial, as much as it made an impact on me, landed her in the bottom with Amethyst, who performed <laughs> Lisa Stanfield's All Around the World with a baby strapped to her back, holding a wine glass, walking around the stage <laughs> looking for said baby, which did not land with the judges either. Um, somebody, I can't remember who this was now in their confessional said that they thought that Willow's talent show, winning the talent show with something so odd would usher in this era of weird talent, uh, which I mm -hmm. am all for. And I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, I mean, we, we see this with how many Queens are doing original songs or lip syncs and no shade on those, but I get really excited when I do see something really different like if i was at a live drag show and somebody did either amethyst or irene's gag i would have been more excited than if i saw kind of a standard lip sync or dance i loved anitra's too um but i'm yeah i'm like looking forward to more oddball things and i was kind of sad that they uh didn't get the reception i didn't think anyone really flopped in that talent show 
I don't either. There was not a single the the I I do think that the thing that I agree with is the critique of maybe amethysts with the joke coming too soon cuz when I first watched it that was my immediate thought. I thought this is so funny and this is a really genius take on this song. I was like but I just I think her doing the baby right away it was like okay, that's the one punchline and she played it immediately and I think that was not the best thing to do. Uh, I also though think that Irene's I thought that like when I first heard that that was the concept I bursted out laughing Same. when they they said in the workroom that that was her her talent and then when she did it obviously truncated for a reality television show it's not going to play the same way that it plays in a bar but she said that on the show that was something that she does at a bar and she's not going to keep doing something at a bar if it doesn't play to the room so I think that that is telling as to how that bit would have been received maybe in a club versus on the setting of a show like drag race, which are two completely different mediums. So I guess I understand where the judges would think that those two things were the, the, uh, the weakest of the week, but I enjoyed both of them. Yeah. I enjoyed them a lot. And I guess for amethyst, maybe also I was thinking if she, I get the point of like, if the baby had been a punchline, but to me, it's almost funnier that we saw it right away, but maybe if it had lasted a little bit longer, because if she's looking like showing the baby right away then we know the baby's right there it's like i i guess i didn't need that to be a punchline i would have been happier like um like the comedian tignataro has a gag where she just drags a stool around for like way longer than anyone should be laughing at it and it just gets funnier and funnier the longer it goes and i think that's kind of what i was looking for in that kind of a if it had just been like her really like turn back to the camera like us seeing the baby while she looks i think it would have been just as funny but i watch i watch this with a in a bar on friday night and the reception i saw to it everyone like laughed at the in the beginning and then i think kind of after mm-hmm. we got the feedback from the the judges and and ariana grande like not being super into it and then i think everyone was like oh okay like yeah that wasn't as good but um i could see a world where it was edited uh with you know people laughing and that it could have done much better Mm -hmm. i think the funniest moment from this talent show though for me though was when ariana grande thought that irene was done (laughs) (laughs) do a little clap and then like it's like oh and stops (laughs) that was so funny yeah i just i keep thinking so later in the season meg salter from hacks is going to be a judge and i just kept thinking like if she was the judge for this this show and Ariana Grande was something out like it. So, you know, it makes sense that Ariana is going to like the things that um, fall in her wheelhouse. And, and so I just kept thinking, like, what would the critique have been if it was somebody who does come from that, like, absurdist comedy community that might connect to this a little bit more? Do you know that Ariana Grande is not a fan of camp comedy, Jillian? She's not. She hates it. She's never laughed in her <laughs> life. You've heard it here first. So uh, using this episode to gauge the future, like psychic Shar Margolis from season 12, what are some of your predictions that you think we might see ahead this season? Well, I'm really hoping that we get a lot more callbacks and cameos from previous seasons, especially when we get to the 200th episode. Um, I think the entire fandom from the moment the cast was revealed is already predicted that the twins will lip sync against each other. Um, so I am curious to see how that plays out, but I would really love for them to, um, I don't know, like I want to see the twins have a rivalry or one of them just get really close with someone else and, um, see where that goes. Um, and yeah, I mean, so we know from 
cable listings that the snatch game is coming up really soon with where I think like unless there's a gag in the next episode, we might see like as many as 14 queens in the snatch game. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. But when you have 14, at least one of them's got to be funny, right? So it'll be better than what we've seen mm-hmm. <laughs> recently. So um, I am excited for that as well. But I yeah, just I'm- I cannot predict anything about a winner or the tops at this point because everybody really has such potential i'm so excited about this cast mm-hmm. it's truly one of the best casts i think they've had ever just collectively just talent wise and chemistry wise i think they all just work very well together and uh, are giving us exactly what we want out of a reality tv show but also a drag competition so i think it hits all boxes i'm most curious about whatever the twist could be especially after Selena said in our interview, the tease was something like the power lies more in the queen's hands than the judges. So no idea what that could potentially mean. Um, maybe it's something similar to all stars. Maybe it's some, like no idea, like a but that vote is a pretty where, the, where they're voting. Maybe. I don't know if they would, do, I don't know if they would do that on a regular season though. I, I really don't know. It has to be something crazy, though, because like Robin said in our first round of interviews that it's like a Game of Thrones level twist. So it's got to be something big. No idea what it could possibly be. Excited to see what it is because it wouldn't be Drag Race without some goops and gags. So, Joey, I know you uh, just talked to one of the queens. Can you give us a little tease for what's coming up in the episode? Yes, we have the first exit interview of the season with Irene Dubois from Seattle uh, she talks a lot about her conception of the ice water performance. She reveals the bits that, like she said on the main stage in judging, that she had to cut some stuff out of the club version of it to make it fit for Drag Race. So she reveals what those bits were, and it's a it's a very uh, it's a very interesting interview because Irene uh, does not hold back. And after this quick break, you will be able to hear our full exit interview with Irene Dubois from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Hi there, it's me, Irene. Yes, I would hope that it is that it is Irene that I'm speaking to. Yes. You know what? It doesn't matter what happens. I'm still me, baby. <laughs> yeah, I would be very concerned if you said that you were not Irene um, after just one episode of television, which was a great episode for you. It truly was like, I mean, I think you can see on social media, a lot of people were falling in love with you. You were cracking everybody up. So I just have to say congratulations on uh, the premiere. It really was really fun getting to know you on those episodes. Thank you very much. And I do just have one correction for you. I was on two episodes. So that is uh, true. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need you to go ahead and double the amount of screen time that you just talked about me having. I mean, actually, if we want to get technical, you were on also two episodes of Untucked. So it's actually four episodes of television that you were on. 
the fact that I was on four episodes of television in one night just really speaks to how fucking incredible I am. Yes, it speaks to the excellence that I, at least I got to know in, you know, the the interviews that we did before the season. And on a positive note, I mean, you are now a member of the legacy pork chop loading dock, which is iconic in itself. You won over so many people. And thanks to you and Lux, season 15 had its first uh, disagreement, we'll call it, over her 40-inch wig length within the first two minutes of the premiere. I mean, we saw her comparing wig sizes later in the episode, but I don't think we saw anyone actually measuring with, like, actual measuring tape. So did you get to the bottom of it for real over the length of that wig? I never got to the bottom of it. And honestly, after getting to know Lux throughout the majority of this process, you know, I, I just met her for the first time when we had that little exchange. And now that I know her a little bit better, I know that reality is not something that really impacts the world that Lux lives in. So (laughs) whether or not when we measure it by our human standards, it comes out to 40 inches, that is not significant. That is not what matters. What matters is what Lux believes in her heart. And now that I know her, I know that she believes in her heart that it's 40 inches. So that wig is 40 inches. It's yeah, th- exactly that is the best answer I think that you could have given to that question. <laughs> so, um, Lux is not bothered whether it's 40 inches or not. That's that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh, the whole haircut could be a bob. And if Lux says it's 40 inches, <laughs> the, the team Lux is going to agree with her. So, far be it from me to tell them they're wrong. There you go. No, you did. I, I did that moment, you made it spicy immediately in the workroom. You said that you were also excited to reunite with mistress because now you had someone to also talk shit with and celebrate the shadiness. And later when more Queens were there, you said that you wished more of the Queens were sort of throwing that shade and sass back to you in addition to mistress. So could you sense maybe an apprehension to engage with that from everyone other than maybe mistress? And did that surprise you that nobody was willing to engage with it on a bigger level? It absolutely surprised me. Honestly, I think that Part of the issue, and I mean this as an issue with my cast specifically, was that it was a lot of newer queens who hadn't spent a lot of time working in bars and didn't know their way around a drag queen dressing room. And, you know, as much as mainstream drag has sort of opened a lot of doors for queens like me and others who, you know, are able to do drag full time in our local scenes, there is still a lot of rich culture that exists in the drag world. And part of that culture is when you're in a dressing room, you cut up with the girls, you read each other, you throw shade back and forth. And it's part of the fun of the experience. And for me to not find that experience in what I thought was going to be a collection of the best of the best, the most experienced was honestly shocking to me. I, I was sort of taken aback by the fact that most of the girls there were unfamiliar with that part of the drag world. After you said that to them, did you notice a shift in maybe was it becoming a little bit more shady? Look, Joey, if you got it, you got it. And if you can't come up with something on the fly, you're just not going to be able to do it. You know, I said, I wish that they were giving it back to me. That wish was not I wish that they would. That wish was I wish that they could. Oh, yes. There we go. You wish they could. We're still getting it in. We're still getting it in. It doesn't stop, Joey. It doesn't stop. I know. And that's what I love about you. It it does not stop. You dig in your heels on that. And I think that is why so many people gravitated towards you in the first four episodes. (laughs) I, I do think, though, it brings up an interesting conversation with relation to the fandom, though, too, because, yeah, there were there were queens on the show who weren't necessarily getting it. But 
do you think that that also is part of like there's a newer generation of fans who maybe only know drag from drag race um and not that there's anything wrong with that but it's a lot of younger fans who maybe would take something like that like seeing that shade a little bit differently than somebody who has experience in the industry such as yourself um so why do you think it is important to hang on to that sort of shady edge in drag culture Look, this is going to sound shady in itself, but my duty is not to the fans. It's to myself as an artist. Mm -hmm. So if people who watch the show are unable to grasp what I'm doing because they don't have the full context, unfortunately, that's not my problem. Yeah. Uh, I think that drag culture exists as a reaction to mainstream culture. Drag culture exists as a safe space. And part of something that we get as a queer community is that sharpening of our wit. You know, we're constantly barraged by propaganda from the media about how our way of life is not the norm, how we are not the standard. And I think that being a drag performer, at least now, still today, we still need to have our tools sharpened more than ever now, actually, not more than ever, but more than in the past decade or so, because people still have a problem with what we're doing and people still are trying to shut down what we're doing. And yeah. it's not even so much, it's sort of like when you're in, and God forgive me for using this metaphor, I promise I'm not a bootlicker, but when you're in the military, you go through drills with your team, mm -hmm. you know, you practice and sharpen your tools with your people so that when you fight against an opponent, you're ready. And that's what I think Drag Queen's Throwing Shade is. It's so that when we encounter someone who really actually does not have our best wishes at heart, when we encounter someone who's seeing drag in bad faith, we have the tools necessary to sort of take them down. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that it was very clear that you found someone to do that with in Mistress, who uh, is, you know, equally as shady. And uh, you said on this episode that you knew Mistress back when you lived in Texas. So I'm curious <laughs> if that relationship started and did your drag careers like overlap at all or did you just know each other from the queer scene? So interestingly enough, I actually did not cross paths with Mistress. I moved out of Texas in 2016 around the time that she started going out. Mm -hmm. My interactions with Mistress were all online because oh. Mistress is very close and actually formerly lived with one of my drag daughters who has since moved to Seattle with me, Norvina Dubois. All of my experiences were sort of curated through Norvina's eyes. So when I finally did meet Mistress, I was sort of like, oh, wow, this bitch is actually like a deranged psychopath demon. <laughs> and you just felt a kinship there immediately. 100%. I mean, look, I'm best friends with Bosco, baby. And talk about a psychopath demon. Well, what did what did Bosco say to you when uh, you returned home? After she was you told pissed. Her she she was not pleased with how things went down, and she was not disappointed in me. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I I think it would be hard for you know any drag sibling or drag mother to be angry at um you know the somebody that they care about who you know has gone on to a show and uh, just performed as they would. So yeah, yeah. I think it would be surprised if Bosco had any other reaction other than that. She's a very, very supportive sister and I'm very lucky to have her in my life. Mm -hmm. Well, there was also, I want to talk about a moment where they, it, it almost looks like, and I don't know if I'm reading too much into this or not, but it looks like when the two groups came together, 
it cut back and forth a few times between Amethyst, like picking up her glasses and looking at you, and then it cut back to Amethyst again, looking confused, and then it cut back to you. Or were they were they trying to suggest that there was like some sort of history there? Did you and Amethyst know each other before the show? She and I did not have any issues. I actually, after I got eliminated, I left my pads in the workroom for her because she Aww. hadn't brought any significantly sized pads with her. And that was her main <laughs> critique on the main stage. And I was like, well, look, at least if I'm going to be eliminated, the girl who sent me home should continue to succeed to make me look better, I think. So mm-hmm. left her my pads. So there's, there's no beef between Amethyst and I. I think she's hilarious. I think she's a great queen. And I'm looking forward to seeing what she does after the show. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know that I read it as there being beef. I just thought that they were suggesting like it made it look like Amethyst recognized you. But I guess they were just saying that it was, um, you know, that they were just saying, oh, this is just the two sides meeting together for the first time. And she was just sizing everybody up. I thought they were suggesting that you knew each other, but that was probably me just reading too much into it. No, I mean, I could see how you would read that. They cut to her and cut to me like three or four times back and forth. And I, as I was watching it, I was sort of like, is she about to say something shady about me? And she never did. So I don't, I don't really know what that moment was about. She did not. No, she did not. But um, speaking of history, though, with Amethyst, Robin um, revealed that she previously dated Amethyst. So did you witness any sort of rekindling of the romance uh, on the set? Oh, God, no, quite the opposite. It seemed like the two of them were quite happy to not be dating any longer. <laughs> oh, so there was some shade and tension there, too. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to what Robin says, she says, I'll let Amethyst talk about it. It seems like the two of them have an amicable but happily separated partnership. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So no tea on set there. No tea between those two, that's for sure. Between those two. Yes, between those two. So there was some tea, though, that everybody was not afraid of spilling on the presence of sugar and spice, which really seemed to throw the cast into some chaos when they entered the room. Um, and I was trying to watch you as you were watching them in the talent show just to see how you and Mistress were reacting to them and Selena too, because um, you, the three of you seem to be the ones that um, were surprised by their presence the most. So what did you think about when they finally did perform on the stage? And do you think the talent show performances uh, did justice to what they do? So look, here's the thing. I think that the twins are amazing. I think that Sugar and Spice are probably some of the most brilliant drag artists that we have in our current generation. I think that the way that they have sort of carved out their own unique lane, their own niche, and have success, wild success, independently of the show is admirable and remarkable. When I saw them on the show, my first instinct was, you guys don't belong here. This is a show for performers. And I very quickly humbled myself and talked myself off that ledge, which I think was a ledge of complete insecurity mm-hmm. because you know there are a million and one ways to do drag and there are a million and one ways to be good at drag and that the way that they are good at drag they are really fucking good mm-hmm. so whether or not they killed it on the main stage in the talent portion i don't think that has anything to do with their value in the competition what i think is they are remarkable artists and when they walk that runway they look sickening and their talking heads are full of energy and full of life and they are there to have fun so I, I I really have nothing but positive things to say about the twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, I mean, it was very odd that there was, uh, in the group interview that we did when people were watching it back, there was a lot of comments that were, people were like, oh, everybody hates the twins. And I was like, what? I, I just, I, I didn't get that at all. Look, it's, it's, it's not ridiculous to say that the twins are a lot. You know, the twins yeah. have a lot of personality. There's also sure. two of them. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> twice as much of that personality. And you know, when you first meet them, it can be a little bit difficult to process. But I think once you get to know them, you can sort of navigate which 
parts of the things that they're saying you really need to listen to and which you can sort of tone out. And once you figured that out, they are very, very fun to be around. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it definitely, it definitely seems that way. And I do though, I want to talk about the, um, the performance on the main stage. I mean, we had the talent show, the biggest talent show the show has ever had 16 individual performances. And I thought mm-hmm. your look was also really great. Um, but the judges obviously did not love the ice water tutorial. Um, I was laughing. I know the people I was watching it with were laughing. Um, so what was it like in the room while you were making the ice water? Like, could you see that the judges maybe were not feeling, feeling it? Or were you trying not to look at them while you were performing? Uh, oh no, I was making direct eye contact with all of them as I was performing. And Honestly, the cast was cracking up. Humor is very subjective. I thought it was funny. I'm very proud of that piece. Um, watching it back in my home bar until they changed the backing music to that derpy backing track they <laughs> replaced my original backing track with, the bar was laughing. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, you know, there was four people on that judges panel and I've gotten hundreds of messages from people telling me that they really did enjoy the ice water tutorial. So the math is on my side. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really feel too bad about it. Well, you also did tell Rue in the judging that you had performed it before and that you had to trim it down, obviously to fit the time constraint of the show. So what can you tease what parts you did cut from the original performance that you performed before the show? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a little bit more explanation on where you can find things like water and, uh, (laughs) ice and there's also you know i would say probably about two more minutes of me fumbling with my nails in the ice cube bowl (laughs) did you have any other talent show ideas lined up as backups before you even went to the show or um was making ice water the thing you decided on from the beginning so obviously the talent show is sort of set up to create a one minute track where you lip sync about who you are and where you're from and what you do and you're gonna snatch the crown mama roo and i thought you know, Angeria and Cornbread both did that last season and they both won. So obviously that would be a safe bet, but I just don't like playing it safe. Whatever I think most people are going to do, I'm going to do the opposite because that's sort of why I like drag. I like, I like sort of pedaling against the mainstream. So um, my first instinct was to do a lip sync. And then I said, no, Irene, you need to do something more you more specific to you what's something that you do and no one else does and that's when the ice water bit came to my mind and i sort of ran it by a lot of my friends but unfortunately all of my friends work with me in the seattle drag scene where the standards and practices by which we judge uh numbers efficiency are often how confusing and disarming it is because that's Mm -hmm. sort of the thesis of seattle drag so yeah when i put it on the main stage in front of a community of drag queens from everywhere but seattle i sort of had to come to Jesus moment and realized like, ah, perhaps I should have adjusted myself a little bit for the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. But watching it back and seeing people's reactions, I'm actually happier that I stuck to my guns and did something specifically me, even if it means that I didn't get to be on the show for very long, just because I'd rather be the worst version of myself than the best version of somebody else. Mm, that, is a, that is a really great perspective. And I imagine that was hard to to grapple with in the moment. Like it's a lot of processing, a lot of emotions while you're doing a lot on that stage from the moment that you do the talent show and then to judging, then to untucked and then to the elimination lip sync, which you performed Ariana Grande in front of Ariana Grande, always a great meta moment. Um, And then there was unfortunately the elimination, but did you have a feeling like when you're in the moment lip syncing, are you able to sort of gauge what the other person is doing and then also assess like, 
your standing in that moment? Or were you just doing what you do and not even paying attention to that and didn't even have a sense that it maybe wasn't going in your favor? I was doing what I was doing and I was in my own zone up until the point that my costume sorted sort of started to disassemble on my body. Um, mm. I will say that lip syncing in a leather cage is not my ideal situation when performing. Mm. Uh, this is a sh- message to everybody out there who might be coming to one of my shows. I promise I can do a lot more on the stage when I'm not bound <laughs> by leather. But um, yeah. I felt pretty good about what I was doing until I sort of saw out of the corner of my eye Amethyst land into a jump split. And I was sort of like, you know, yeah. historically, whoever has the most flexible pelvis on this stage typically gets to stay. So I might be in danger here. Yeah. When they announced that I was going home, I, I, I sort of was like, yeah, that, that feels appropriate. Just because Amethyst was sort of, she's very broken up emotionally. It seemed like she was really in her feelings about the whole situation. And I just, I don't know. I think I might just be a little bit too far on in my life, a little bit too confident in who I am to be shaken by things like that. And mm-hmm. It just it it was like yeah you're sending me home but you know I you you can't take anything away from me you know what I mean so I I'll go home but I'm still me and I'm I'm still very happy with my life so it's okay yeah. no that's your brilliant perspective I think that you know again you have a lot to be proud of though I really thank you so much for sharing your art with us and for uh, taking the time to talk with me today Irene it's been a real pleasure thank you Joey and it's been so lovely to get to know you throughout this process you're one of a kind. Thank you so much to Irene for sharing that behind the scenes scoop with us. Uh, Joey, what do we have next? Next, we have a queen on the opposite end of the spectrum who won this week's challenge, Anitra, who performed the... (laughs) I still, I laugh every time I think of her performance. uh, Introducing her name, Anitra, six syllables, three, or what was it? Six syllables, that's a really long... Anitra... Six letters, six letters, three syllables. Uh, it's And then she's doing all kinds of duck walking. So she's going to walk us through the conception of that performance, the reaction to that performance, and a lot more behind the scenes to you as well. So stay tuned for that. Hello, Anitra. How are you? Hey, girl. I'm great. How are you? I am doing so well. I've been walking that duck all weekend after watching your talent show. I just, I mean, what an amazing job you did. You better. <laughs> you better yes, walk that fucking duck. That's right. That's right. I'm sitting here breaking boards in my living room. I mean, you've taught me the art of Taekwondo. I just, I, <laughs> I was so amazed by what you did. Um, and I mean, in all the interviews that we've been doing before the season, you all promised goops and gags. And this episode definitely delivered. I mean, the drama, <laughs> the talent. And, there's, and there's more yet to come. <laughs> as I have heard, as I have heard. Like, I mean, oh, you yes. all definitely snapped this early on. And I want to start with you with talking about this talent number, which obviously won the challenge Uh, landing on the idea though. Like I see some people, there are some people online noticing that like there's a similar tone in the things that tend to like do well in the talent show. Like I think Angeria and Cornbread also did like similar sort of things last year, maybe a little bit of Kennedy Davenport vibes in there too. So I'm curious if you Mm -hmm. like studied past drag race talent show performances, not to say that what you did was not unique because it totally was, but like, did you study maybe the structure of past talent show performances to see what kind of worked before deciding what to do? 
Um, totally. Um, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you know, you, you kind of are familiar with what the talent show is. And honestly, when I was thinking about making it, I was thinking like, okay, well, obviously, the challenge is show us what you do successfully and quickly. Words um, <laughs> of Bianca Del Rio. So I was thinking I knew I wanted to break boards. So um, that's been like a huge part of my life. Taekwondo has been a huge part of my life for 14, almost 15 years now. So I kind of wanted to have a little piece of it with me at Drag Race um, and also combine like what I do regularly at the club and like what I do as a drag queen regularly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, I was really thinking just like, how can I bring the most of me to this challenge and just stamp my foot in there and say, hey, this is who I am and how I do drag. Um, and I think they got it. So. I'm really happy yeah. with how it's going. <laughs> yes. And now I am feeling extra good about the fact that I decided to ask you about your Melina outfit um, in our pre-interviews. Because I'm like, it just lines up so well. It's the intuition. You've got. <laughs> and also, I'm sorry. Can I just say, like, thank you for always being so good and so professional to us. We really appreciate you. And every time we leave an interview with you, we always feel so good. Well, that makes me feel really wonderful. I think you, you, you've all been telling me that these past few days and I, I just, yeah. I, it really does mean a lot. I'm so glad to have met this cast. I mean, this cast is, it, the chemistry between this cast is just next level. It truly is, I think. Aren't like, we all terrible? You're, <laughs> that's where I was going. <laughs> you're all terrible. Um, it, it truly is one of the, the best casts I think the show has ever had. And yes. I think, interestingly enough, though, on this talent show, of all the queens that have ever done a talent show before, I think you're one of the first if not the first queen to keep their talent a secret, at least on camera, to, to everybody. So you really didn't tell anybody else in the cast what you were doing? No, nobody knew. I think Cornbread, I think Cornbread kept hers a secret. Did she? I think she did. She was like, I'm eating hot dogs. I'm eating, I'm competitive oh, hot dogs. Oh, that's right. Yes, she and did. She <laughs> <laughs> well, you, okay, you are in great company with Cornbread then. Wait, so what was the strategy there in keeping it a secret? Um, because I knew that if I explained like what I was doing, everybody would be like, you're doing what? And at that point, truly, I just wanted to do my makeup because we had to get ready quick. <laughs> well, you had to get ready quick, but apparently the twins did not have to get ready quick. I mean, I will say I did help glue a lace and I did it happily. I love those girls. <laughs> <laughs> we did see their, 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 their presence causing a little stir we'll say, in the workroom. It seemed to rub some queens the wrong way. A few of the queens seemed to be saying that they felt like they were a lot. So uh, was that all kind of getting to you in the moment? I think, um, see, I had no uh, idea who the twins or like any of the girls were. So I think my opinions of the girls were really just based off of everything in the workroom. Um, and I think for a lot of the girls initially, it was a little bit like frustrating because some of them are really seasoned and come from like, a background where you can get into drag head to toe in like an hour and look, you know, done and flawless. Whereas like somebody who's not used to running like a show type schedule takes a little bit longer because they don't know how to get ready and like cut corners. So I definitely think at the beginning it was frustrating for a lot of us. Um, but, you know, they definitely got faster and they definitely got it down now. <laughs> yes, they got faster. We're now timing them every single week. And <laughs> it How wasn't giving like Kamora Hall late, but they were running late. Mm, that was going to be my next question. I was like, comparable to Kamora Hall or like, <laughs> I don't know. So I, um, I want to go back to the uh, preparation for the show because even though you were trying to keep it a secret, mm -hmm. did anybody actually 
that catch a glimpse of the boards that you brought to break and like ask you what they were for? I don't think so. I think that I had them like in my pullout like drawer in my station. I don't think I had them out. Mm, mm. Yeah, nobody noticed. So since you were being so secretive, were you, were there other people that were like, okay, well, if you're not telling me what I'm doing or what you're doing, I'm not telling you what I'm doing. I, you know, honestly, I really don't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember like a lot of us like rushing to get ready in the workroom being so crazy because, you know, there's 16 of us and there's only so many mirrors and we're all like painting on top of each other's elbows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I feel like at the time we were just like trying to get ready and, and try to, you know, look our best and everybody was nervous. So there wasn't a whole lot of like, what are you doing? Cause I think a lot of people were also not knowing what to expect from each other too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a lot of Queens uh, hitting that stage for the talent show for the first time. Well, yeah. But I do know, I mean, Marsha obviously had that photo of Ross for hers. I really loved that performance so much. But we know that, like, Ross is a rotating judge. So did she, like, as soon as she found out that it was Ross, did she have to, like, print out the picture of Ross? Or did she have, like, one for Carson to swap out, too, if he was... They had, like, one to swap out for everybody? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. That's a good question. I mean, I think it still would have worked with Ross. I think it's just, like, perfect that he was there. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes absolutely no i was very curious about that um no you did that's just been incredible by the way like that honestly it my first day in the workroom of first like meeting Marsha, i think i underestimated her a little bit and then watching her talent show i like immediately knew who she was and immediately like appreciated her as an artist and a drag queen um and i like love her now and i think she's fantastic yeah it was definitely not what i was expecting from her for sure but no. i'm glad she gave it You also said on the panel that you rehearsed yours with the pit crew member to make sure that he was comfortable because it did involve some sort of, you know, physical activity. So did you have Mm -hmm. to play like America's Next Top Pit Crew member to determine who (laughs) would do it? Like, were the other ones not comfortable with doing it? (laughs) I think, um, I don't know if they had asked if who's the most comfortable getting a board smashed in their face. (laughs) Um, but I know that Bryce was really, really excited to do it. And he just was really, um, uh, he was really good at holding, like, cause when you hold the boards, you have to hold them a certain way. So your fingers don't get smashed. And so you don't get smashed. Um, but he was really good at like being proper about it. And he was amazing. He didn't move at all. Mm -hmm. So you didn't smash any fingers in rehearsal? (laughs) No, no fingers were smashed. Everything (laughs) came out safe. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have, when you were... Um, conceiving for the talent show did you go through any other numbers that you thought "Mm, maybe I'll try this first or maybe I'll try this first before landing on the full scope of this challenge winning performance um yeah I actually like I've never recorded music even though I'm the voice of the season you know um (laughs) I've never recorded music but I'm like okay so let's try and make something and just see what comes of it um and I'm honestly doing drag race like I've just been so excited to just create in general um whether it's something that I do or do not do on a regular basis so uh me and my friend DJ Chris Tavi um at the uh, at the club that I work at um we just sat in his living room with a microphone and I just you know had me an edible and had a key (laughs) (laughs) so you were under the influence of excellence when you were writing of the of excellence (laughs) yes you can definitely tell i think that anybody under the influence of excellence can understand but the funny thing is like i would also do that like not i would also do that sober you know (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, no, and I think that, uh, yeah, unless the entire uh, world who was watching this show was under the influence of excellence, um, they no. are gone. Everybody got it. Aren't they, though? Uh, maybe, so. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Um, what was your favorite uh, talent show number, though, besides your own? Obviously, yours won, but which one do you think was your favorite of the oh other queens? gosh. It was so good this year. I really loved everybody's. Even Irene, like, they didn't show it, but I was laughing during every talent show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love too. Um, but if I, okay, let me give you three. So if I had to give you three, it would be Marsha and Jax. Um, they were in the top. And I think mm-hmm. Sasha was also really incredible as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, perfect song choice. And I mean, all that woman needs is just herself in a stage and, and no props, no nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. queen of lip syncing. Period. Yes, period. That's all that needs to be said. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were, though, laughing at Irene's ice water, though. Yeah. I was laughing at that, too. I thought it was I, I was like, that would have killed in a club. Yeah. And she like she said, like she usually she usually does it in long form. Yeah. So I feel like there's. I mean, comedy is all timing, timing, you know, so I feel like long form will definitely change the entire number. But I feel I hope she does it like on tour and stuff. Oh, I think for certain, like, I I can't see her not doing that. And I think that it's like, you know, she did it many times, obviously, before then in a club setting. So I, you know, it's I think it's probably pretty successful for her and her brand when she does that um, at her shows. But I think, like she said, compressing it maybe was not the best decision. But yeah. uh, and it is very hard. It's we only get one minute, you know, mm-hmm. show us exactly who you are in one minute. Go. <laughs> it's difficult. In front of it's... your idols and Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> I did love when Ariana looked like she was she thought Irene was done and she went to like collapse. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, wait, no, you're not done. <laughs> I have to say that moment was incredible. Bless her. Bless her. Yes. Yes. Bless her. Bless her to the heavens. So I do <laughs> want to go back a little bit to uh the when you all first entered the workroom and because this episode has sparked a lot of conversation about you know workroom banter and the shadiness and its place and in, in drag race among the queens and i know you do come from the vegas scene and that is probably very exciting backstage with the girls on in vegas shows so mm-hmm. how did you feel about mistress and irene being like shady boots right off the bat and was that it- being maybe more intense in the room than we gathered on tv i think mistress said it um in the workroom, she's like, this is just kind of like how we talk in the dressing room. Like, it's just dressing room kiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, working in Vegas, like, for instance, I mean, Alexis Mateo comes up in my mirror and reads me every day. And I know it's out <laughs> of love. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, Chanel reads my my lace to filth every day. And I know it's out of love. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, honestly, there is like fun shade, but it's also like, it's our culture. It's like, what it's our environment you know and i think when you if you don't know that environment it can be a little bit like jarring um <laughs> for sure but it's a lot of good fun and it's all out of love to me like you won't read somebody that you like don't love mm-hmm. no that's a good that's what you were all saying about bianca too the other day is it is how you're all anticipating her on pit stop is it did you get a chance to watch pit stop and what do you think of you know honestly is? You know, honestly, Joey, I have been a little scared. And busy. And busy, yes. I have been a little <laughs> bit scared and busy, but I have not watched it yet. But I hear that Jinx Monsoon is under the influence of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our new thing, under the influence of excellence. Yes. 
I yeah I know I definitely think you should watch it I think you'll you'll be very amused by it um, especially by Jinx's yes under the influence of excellence <laughs> but um do you think though that that because I think that the, the whole that whole conversation brings up an interesting thing in this fandom because you have people who are maybe coming to Drag Race or, or, or to the art of drag even through Drag Race and they're it's a younger generation who maybe are not old enough to go to the the bars and see these shows if they're not 21 yet so um that does kind of bring up an interesting conversation though too of like what the fans are perceiving versus what maybe the people on the cast experience yeah i'm actually so like happy you brought that up because it's kind of something that we're all kind of like running into i feel like i feel like us as a cast we all get along um super well now and we're all very uh close and feel like a family now um and it's funny because you know, we read each other on the show and we have these cute moments and everything, but most of the time it's like very surface level and it's not really an attack on anybody's personality or anything like that. That's that's a read. An insult would be the latter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes the fans will watch the show and think that it's cute to, you know, insult people or speak to people unrespectfully. Um just you know don't comment on somebody's character i would say for a read uh or if it's something that you think is going to be a little bit too far you may want to not do that (laughs) yes just from like a fan standpoint because yes it's cute like we read on the show that is our culture but like if you're not coming from that culture you know it's you kind of want to be a little bit more um respectful about it and a little bit more weary Absolutely. No, that's good advice for people who are watching the show, because like at the end of the day, it's it's drag. It's serious, but it's not that serious. And we're all here to have a good time watching everybody on TV. Right. We read out of love. Yes. Yes. You read out of love. (laughs) And I mean, speaking of things we love again, congratulations on your challenge winning performance. I cannot get the song out of my head. You did so well. Such a good premiere, and I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to talk with me today about it. I really appreciate it, Anitra. Oh, thank you. Again, we love doing your interviews, so thank you so much for having me. And thank you to Anitra for that riveting conversation. We are now going to walk that duck back out of the state of Connecticut as we scout a new location for next week's episode. Yes, thank you all for listening. Tune in to the next episode of EW's Quick Drag next Tuesday for an all-new recap of episode three of RuPaul's Drag Race season 15 featuring new interviews, including next week's Eliminated Queen. And make sure you keep up with all of our coverage at EW.com slash Drag Race throughout the year. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cederholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Quack.